Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. And also the sit on the board of directors of the National Council on the Aging. And I was going to say that. And I'm thrilled to be here with Ron, who is recovering from a cold. And post-nasal drip is a killer. <laughs> but I'm back. One of the things we want to talk about is something that uh, we've covered occasionally, and that is early-onset Alzheimer's. And, and it is something that... Not a, pe- a lot of people are aware of. Well, they're not. And, I, and I'm thinking of my cousin um, whose wife uh, had early onset Alzheimer's in her late 30s, actually. And first, you know, she was making mistakes at her job and getting in all kinds of trouble, um, eventually got fired. And then when she got the diagnosis of early onset Alzheimer's, her organization went back and put her on paid disability wow. um, until the time of her death, which was not that long afterwards but i thought especially this is years ago uh when people really weren't aware that there was a type of early onset alzheimer's I talk about that was, uh, uh, corporate social responsibility absolutely that's pretty cool well there is a really interesting and powerful documentary that i had a chance to preview susan frick who's director of the without warning organization is joining us on our caregiver sos on air hotline She's with a support group for individuals and families who live with younger onset Alzheimer's. And the documentary done for PBS, Too Soon to Forget the Journey of Younger Onset Alzheimer's Disease. And it is very powerful. Susan, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. How did you get involved in the whole question of early onset Alzheimer's? Well, you know, I'm a social worker at the Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center in Chicago, um, and we're one of 32 federally funded Alzheimer's centers. And within our memory center and, and within, you know, my work at the, at the center, um, we were just seeing a lot of people who were young. You know, and when we think, and as you mentioned, Carol, uh, I think with you, you said your cousin, um, we, you know, younger onset are, are people who are under the age of 65, which is just not the age you think about when you think about people with Alzheimer's disease. And, and we were seeing these people who were young in our clinic back in 2003 and 2002, and there just wasn't a lot of resources for people who were young. And so we wanted to start a support group. So in um, 2004, um, we started up what we called the Without Warning Support Group. And we've been going ever since, and it's for both the person with memory loss and for um, their family members. And in the documentary that you've put together, you have several folks with early onset Alzheimer's who you interview and who are part of the program, and their mm-hmm. caregivers. And it, it's very powerful to listen uh, to their stories. And then, as I had mentioned to you off the air, uh, the sad part at the very end, uh, you, you run in memoriam, and they all are dead now, all those <sighs> Early onset. Um, not, not every single one, but pretty a uh, good number, you know, because it did take us several years to put it together. Right. 
And so there quite a few had passed, unfortunately. Um, but we interviewed, I think it's nine families in total, and they're all from our support group um, who are willing to share their story. And over the, the years that we've had the support group, we've done a lot of public speaking, and so I, which I, I always, and we do here at Rush, really try to include the voice of the person living with Alzheimer's to make sure their experiences are included and, and also the family members. So we tried very consciously to have people who could still participate and be part of the filming. So for the folks in the film, for the folks that have early onset Alzheimer's, is it hard for them to get a diagnosis? Are people looking for everything else but that at a younger age? Yeah, you're right. It often is um, harder for someone who's young to get a diagnosis. And what we often hear is that they go through multiple doctors and and appointments. And I guess it is something you want to make sure you're ruling everything else out. And, And so they're often hearing things like maybe it's depression, maybe it's stress. Um, women often hear, well, maybe it's menopause. Um, and, and so it's ruling a lot of other things out. In our support group, um, some people got the diagnosis relatively quickly, especially if they went to a center, you know, like Rush or, a, you know, a center that focuses on Alzheimer's and on dementia. Um, but for many, it took many years. What did they think was going on? It's often like said depression um, or stress is, is common ones that we hear, um, you know, and, and also ruling out other medical conditions just to make sure there's nothing that could be causing the memory problems. You know, and, and Carol, like you mentioned with your family member, that's an, a wonderful story of that the, the, her place of employment helped to get the disability going because some of our families, if, they, if the person was let go, or left work before they realized what was going on, they sometimes, it's harder to go back and get the disability and say that it was due to, um, the job performance was due to the memory problems or the dementia. Sometimes that can be more difficult. It was interesting, the, the uh, supers you included in the uh, uh, production that said so-and-so's symptoms began in X mm-hmm. year and uh, was diagnosed in another year and there and some of those were four or five six years between yeah yeah you're right what we tried to do in the film um was show when the family when they were diagnosed and then when family felt symptoms started to occur because as we know with alzheimer's um for any age someone who's older too it's a slow progressing disease and so it's nothing where the person all of a sudden the family goes, wait, something's going on, or the person realizes it's often developing that that um, history, that there's been a problem. And so for pretty much every family, they could kind of say, well, we think it started a few years before the diagnosis. And you're right. In some cases, it was multiple years. It was also interesting. Uh, one of the people in the film, I think it was Barry, uh, who you had uh, looking very vibrant and connected and well, uh, interviewed in the in the film and then at the very end you could see how he had literally wasted away yeah yeah um there were some we we filmed with one family um a week before the person passed away and i had known him a long time um and you know and it was hard to see that that progression but you know for some fam- for some people it can you know things can occur that cause the progression then to come along quicker
Well, well hold on just a minute. We're going to come right back to you. I want to tell folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerdio, and we were talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Susan Frick, director of the Without Warning organization. Well, Susan, talk a little bit about the families. We talked about, you know, the people who are, are living with the illness and, and you know, they, it's hard for them to get a diagnosis. What about the family members? Is there mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, in, in older people with Alzheimer's, you get that you're doing this on purpose. I can imagine mm-hmm. um, it's even more prevalent in a younger family that really isn't even thinking about memory loss. Right, right. And, and you know, for those of us who have... Both my parents had memory problems and and um, passed away from dementia, and you know it's 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 a family illness, and it's not just affecting the one person, but everyone they have a relationship with. Um, and so, in particular, younger families where you're not expecting, you know, when you're dealing with someone who's older, you're kind of expecting limitations, and their their world has already gotten a bit smaller in some cases. For people who are young, they might still have children at home or young adults that are children, you know, just beginning to kind of head out on their own. Um, and it's, it has a huge impact on the whole family of not understanding what's going on, you know, and, and every family copes differently with this and, and what they're able to adjust to. Um, you know, and in, and in our documentary, we had, I think they were maybe 10 or so um, age twins that were living with a parent with Alzheimer's. And, you know, that's a really hard, any age is hard, but I can't imagine it being a young child and trying to figure out how to understand this. How old were you when your parents were diagnosed? Um, uh, My parents were, I mean, it's still hard, but my parents were in their 80s, 70s, 80s. Um, Which is more typical. A more typical. I mean, still sad and very right. hard to, to watch um, people change, um, but at a point in their life where you're, you more expect it than if you were, um, you know, if I was in my teens or, or 20s or 30s and, and watching a parent. Were you involved in their caregiving at all? I was a long-distance caregiver, okay. but yes, I was very involved. Um, they lived in... Um, a continuing care community, and then progress through the the care needs within that community. Well, talk a little. What is the, what was the goal of making the documentary? What made you decide? Ah, we've got to document this. We've right, got to put this on right. film. Yeah. So our our support group, which is called Without Warning, um, has been going. We're coming up on sixteen years, and several years back, we've we've always really been, and the group has always been very good at kind of advocacy work and doing a lot of public speaking. We put together a website without-warning.net where they did a lot of little video clips about what life is like with with young onset and dementia. And they just wanted to be able to make something that showed the face of people who are younger because often when you think about, and the general public, when they think about Alzheimer's, they think about people in their 70s, 80s, and so they wanted to put something together, and and they really helped with all the fundraising for it because we really didn't um, at the beginning we didn't have corporate sponsors. We d- did get some then as we moved along, but it's putting. I've learned um, putting together a documentary can be an expensive process, and yes. um, so we had over 450 individual donations to help put this together, which I thought was really impressive. Um, and we named the documentary Too Soon to Forget. A family member came up with that name, which I thought was very fitting. And 
And then all the families that we filmed came from the support group. And they were just very good about, you know, it's not easy when you're stressed and a lot going on in life and then to allow a film crew into your house. Um, You know, I give them a lot of credit for sharing their stories, but they wanted others to know what the process is like and what the journey is like and let other people know that they're not alone. Um, So the documentary was picked up by American Public Television and is airing on PBS over the next about a year and a half into the contract and have another year and a half to go. Well, that's cool. Um, Yeah. We'll have to check and see if it's going to air in some of our markets. Stay with me just a minute. We're talking on our Caregiver SOS on Air hotline with Susan Frick, director of Without Warning Organization. Our co-host Carol Zerniel is here. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on Air on 930 AM, The Answer. We are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. WellMed Radio, Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. on 930 a.m., The Answer. Well, we are so pleased you are with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline, talking with Susan Frick, director of Without Warning, talking about not only her documentary, Too Soon to Forget, but talking about the journey of early-onset Alzheimer's disease. Susan has a, a master's in social work. She's a licensed social worker and uh, is a graduate uh, in, uh, with a master's degree in social work from Loyola University in Chicago. And we're so pleased to have you on with us, Susan. Uh, for those who are listening who may be caregivers, who may, in fact, be involved with someone with early onset uh, uh, dementia, what are the, some of the things that uh, you learned in putting this together and in your work uh, as a social worker that would be great tips for caregivers to know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, what we sure have seen is I think Alzheimer's at any age, but in particular younger onset, can be a very lonely experience um, because it's hard to find other people that are going through it. And so to have a peer group who understands is important. Um, We've been lucky in the Chicago area because we can offer this support group and there's such a condensed population here so that at our support group meetings, we run 50 up to 80 people at a meeting, which is huge for a support group. And then we break into um, anywhere from four to six smaller groups. I wondered about that because you did a couple of cutaway shots uh, yeah. in the program showing a support group. And I said to myself, that's a, wow, that's wow, big. That's a, that's a big support group. That's <laughs> I fantastic. Know. I, that's part of being in a metropolitan area. And I think also what it showed to us um, is that there's quite a need out there for programs for people who are young. Um, you know, and we have people who come from several hours away to be able to attend the group. Because I, there just isn't much out there. And, and over the years we've been doing it, there hasn't been a lot that's, you know, it hasn't changed. <laughs> There's still not a lot out there. Um, one way, so I think if you're in a metropolitan area trying to find ways to start groups, having support groups where you can interact and know that you're not alone and you can hear from others what they're going through, um, I think it's important for the person with Alzheimer's, too. Um, there's that window of opportunity 
to be able to support them well, and, and help them to know. And I think that's so important. Uh, my mother also had Alzheimer's. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a club. There's a lot of members. Uh, and mm-hmm. when she, in her early stages, she the one thing she kept asking for was she said, I want to be around other people who are like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, I want us to, maybe if there was a group, we could put our heads together and figure out, you know, ways that we could help each other or do things better or hang on longer. And she was very adamant about that. Right, right. And I, I think that's important. Um, especially, I think we can tend to disregard the person with Alzheimer's as if, oh, they're already gone. We don't need to support them. But we do. Um, and there's online communities that have developed for both the person with dementia and um, family members. I think online works well for some people. Some people aren't computer people or get support in that kind of way. Right. Um, One other thing that has developed a lot in the Chicago area, and I think in other areas too, are memory cafes, um, which are not necessarily a support group, but are often support programs where you're, you're allowing people to get together and have a meal together or do something together. And they, they are becoming quite popular for both the person experiencing dementia and for their family members. So I think wherever you live, you can, there's, you can look up memory cafes. There's a directory of them and see if there's some in your area. And they're starting all over, um, which is nice. Do you know if we have any in we this do. area? In San Antonio, we do, um, as well as we have created a, a mini dementia village here in, in oh, San Antonio nice. with a grant from the Administration on Community Living where oh. we have um, a safe, enclosed theme park uh, that has technology where people can wear bracelets and oh, we can nice. locate them. And the family and the person living with memory loss is free to wander about the park and just enjoy. It's Morgan's oh. Wonderland. Yes, more, for those, for those nice. of you, if anyone is uh, from anywhere in the country listening to a podcast, I, I highly encourage you to visit Morgan's Wonderland just for the experience. And a park designed specifically to uh, include both uh, those who are less abled and those who are perfectly able to participate and enjoy the park. That's very nice. And, and you know, uh, back to the idea of or the thought of loneliness being this experience, I think the more we can provide opportunities for connection and for people to, to be able to do things together. And one thing we're doing at Rush um, on behalf of larger organizations within Illinois, and I know other states are doing it, is looking at dementia-friendly communities. Yes. To encourage communities to think about how they support people with dementia and encouraging people to become a dementia friend, which a lot of states, I think there's 22 states that are now um, having people become dementia friends. And you can look up the website, Dementia Friends, I think it's USA.org maybe or com. Um, and it's thinking about how as an individual you can support someone living with dementia. You had, a young, think, you had a young boy in that film who was friendly with the uh, one yeah. of the featured uh, people yeah. struggling with early onset. That kid was cute and smart, uh, and, and it was surprised. Uh, I was surprised uh, to see how verbal he was about uh, dealing with early onset Alzheimer's. He, yeah. If anyone is able to see our film, he, um, his name's Billy, and he was able to visit his friend Tom, who was the gentleman who passed a week after we did the filming with right. him, and um, Billy was great and was so comfortable standing at Tom's bedside at a point when Tom was, you know, actively dying and, and, um, Billy was awesome. He wasn't from central casting. 
No. <laughs> no, it looked like it. But no, he. I loved when he goes, I've known Tom my whole life. And I think he was like seven when uh, we yeah. filmed. Um, and he just was had grown up knowing Tom and, and would come over and, and visit with Tom. And their families were friends, which I think is a nice thing to show of how we all can be there to support people. Because we're all going to know people. Um, in our life who live with dementia and um, if we encourage that that thought among younger people too I think that's important well, and, and the website you're referring to is DementiaFriendsUSA.org. I see that That's, the U.K., I don't know who had the idea first, but uh, DementiaFriendsUSA.org is a place that you can learn yeah. about being a dementia friend. And, you know, and I think I, I haven't been to the website, but what I, what I love in this discussion is this idea of, of different types of support, different um, you know, kinds of locations and groups. And, you know, it used to be you were lucky to find one thing um, mm-hmm. in in your community. And certainly nobody was thinking mm-hmm. about how to change the community to make it work better for persons right. with memory problems. Uh, and, then, and then having the voice of the person living with the disease is still mm-hmm. very new and so important. And we left them out for far too long. It was yeah. very impactful. Yeah, we really have. And, and you know, in our, I should probably put in the plug that if anyone's interested in looking up our documentary, it's too soon to forget.net is the website for it. Um, we have set it up that it's available as a DVD. Anyone can use it. There's no restrictions. So if people want to just show it to a church group, to a community group, it's you can do it. You don't even need to tell us. And we just this week... Um, now have the DVDs available, will be available, um, subtitled in Spanish. Well, that's Because cool. there's, there's a high incident of um, younger onset in the Latino population. Mm. And okay. so we want that available for, for Spanish speakers. Well, okay. Susan, sh- share for our listeners what a dementia-friendly community would look like. You know, what I, what I see, I think for every community, you know, Rush is helping Illinois. We have eight communities within Illinois that have been designated as dementia-friendly and several more working towards it. It's, I think, keeping dementia on everyone's radar and thinking about maybe this person's living with dementia that's having trouble, you know, at a store. Or, or maybe, you know, encouraging the family to still keep coming to a restaurant or being involved. And so in some communities, it's providing education to um, library staff, park districts, government, um, faith communities. Um, it's a really nicely laid out website with a lot of tools. Um, some, it's, it's, in, it's developing that they have a resource list so they can hand it out to first responders, to anyone within that town um, of here's places you can go if you need help. Um, we just had a community have a dementia-friendly movie um, in a local theater, they showed it's a screening of It's a Wonderful Life, and it was called a no shush, non-shush movie that people could talk and walk about during the movie. <laughs> that's great. And that that's was perfect. Yeah, that's great. That's great for, <laughs> so kid, for kids things, and... Just keeping it on <laughs> in people's thoughts and radar. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, what besides the age, is there anything different about Alzheimer's that people get younger than it is older? In you know, I know Rush does a lot right. of research as well. You know, um, there hasn't been a lot of research done on the experience of younger onset. There is some, like there's a center. We interviewed the physician in our documentary from um, St. Louis who's doing a lot of research in regards to younger onset. Um, what we're seeing just within our group is that 
some people, you know, sometimes you hear, oh, younger onset progresses quicker than 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 people who are older. We see mixed. We see some people who progress quickly, some people who don't, and it takes many years. Um, one thing I've heard from from physicians is when you're thinking of younger onset, you're often thinking of someone who's relatively healthy as opposed to someone in their 80s who might have other ailments that would come about from being older. And so when you're thinking about younger onset, they often progress through the entire course of Alzheimer's because they have nothing else that would take them first. Um, And so you see the entire progression. One thing we've seen in our group, and I don't think there's a lot written about this, so this is very anecdotal, but we've seen a higher incidence of seizures in people who are young. Um, and, and often the seizure will mark a change in condition um, mm. where they'll decline some. Um, doesn't happen for everybody, but we sure have seen a large number of people in our support group who have had seizures. Um, otherwise, oh, one other thing, and I think you mentioned, um, sometimes we see perception problems in people who are younger where they have trouble navigating their environment and kind of figuring out, you know, getting themselves through spaces safely. It can be tough. Otherwise, we see very similar progression. Got to stop you right there. We're flat out of time. But one more time, uh, a website that folks should go to. So it should, it's too soon to forget.net would give people information about our documentary. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Is there a, a website for Rush itself? The, the Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center, they can look up through the Rush University Medical Center site. Right. Um, and then also our Without Warning site is without-warning.net. Susan Frick, thank you. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is here. And we appreciate you joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.